Hey everybody, this is Brock Elder with the Shared Stadium Podcast. Uh, Joe Bright is not with me tonight. We've been having a difficult time catching up with each other, some things with work and vacation. So, um, you know, Joe, hope you're doing all right, man. But uh, tonight I've got Coach Rick Wright of the Greenville Triumph with me. And uh, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, mate. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um Looking forward to watching some USA against Martinique tonight. Uh, a little late for me, a little past my bedtime, but I'm going to watch as much as I can. I hear you, man. Well, uh, wait till you get to my age. It'll be even uh, harder for you to stay up that long. <laughs> I hear you. So, hey, man, I'm glad you could jump on tonight. Um, I think it'll be a special episode for the supporters out there uh, to listen to and any other fans of the league, but... Just kind of want to get right into it, and um, you know, first off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, some of you know your soccer story, kind of where you started, and um, how you ended up being with the Greenville Triumph. Well, you know, basically, um, my my uh, story of how I ended up in uh, South Carolina and the soccer scene is really a really uh, crazy story, but. Um, I, I um, tell people this all the time. I ended up at, I, I went to Erskine College. I played for uh, legendary Ralph Lundy. He, he did not recruit me. He actually um, was there when I showed up. And uh, the, the deal was um, with my father, I was going to go and take a look at some colleges. And basically my dad left me there. So um, <laughs> best decision he ever made, best decision I ended up having to make. But, um, yeah, I played at Erskine, and uh, at the end of my four and a half years there, I was fortunate enough to get drafted into the old North American Soccer League. Didn't last very long. The league went went bottom-up, but um, uh, an interesting situation where I was getting ready to move back to Bermuda. I got married to a, a beautiful young lady from Easley, South Carolina, Susan. And uh, we've been, we're getting ready to celebrate our 41st anniversary. But, um, yeah, we, um, we were going to move back to Bermuda. And uh, Ralph called me and said, hey, um, Anderson College is wanting to start a soccer program. And would you be interested? And I had absolutely no interest in becoming a coach. Um, but, hey, here we are 40-odd years later. And um, I started Anderson Soccer Program. And... Um, been involved with it ever since so uh yeah it's kind of a, a crazy situation but um hey the lord puts us in a place and, and takes us where he wants us to go so i actually coached in college for 25 years at erskine and at anderson um many all americans many championships and had a really really great career as a coach um and then an opportunity came along for me to get out of coaching and um, get into the business world and, and I did that. And um, thankfully, um, that was really, really good and very um, eye-opening for me because I think it's also made me a better coach. It's made me a better person. But um, I never lost touch with the game. I always stayed in touch with it. Ralph was very kind to keep me involved as a, as a consultant. I always was involved in youth soccer in the area. And um, so I was actually out of the game for quite a while. And um, really had no intentions of getting back into it full time when um, along came the dream, Greenville Triumph. And um, 
it, it really is a crazy, crazy story. Um, I got a call one day from a young lady who um, actually thought that I was the head soccer coach at Anderson College still because I'd gotten back involved with Anderson University and Mike Zion, the head coach there, reached out to me and we, we always had a good relationship and he, he said, hey, I, I want your influence, I want you here. And um, so I got involved and uh, so Megan Kolak, who's, uh, was at the time Megan Dotson, she reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to um, host a uh, Greenville Triumph Night because it was when the Triumph were first starting. And so we actually had a uh, Greenville Triumph Night at Anderson University, and um, I believe, Brock, you were there. Um, had a, a really, really, really good showing. And um, so uh, kind of got things kicked off in the Anderson area. And uh, so I thought I had done my part of it. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, Megan reached back out to me and said, hey, our coach has been named, which, of course, is John Hart's. And um, he wants to have a um, a tryout, and he wants you to be involved. Can you bring your coaches? And it was interesting because I realized at that point in time that they thought I was the head coach at Anderson. So I responded back to him saying, hey, love to help, but do you really think I'm the head coach of Anderson? And none, nobody responded. Nobody. And then the night before the tryout, I got a phone call, came in from a Virginia telephone number, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know this person, but I'm going to answer it anyway. And it was John. And he said, hey, this is John Hart's Greenville Triumph. Glad to have you with our tryout tomorrow, so on and so forth. And so I, I waited a few seconds, and I basically said to him, John, do you think I'm the head coach at Anderson University? And there was dead silence. And being a sales guy, I knew that the next guy that spoke lost. <laughs> and he said, yeah, um, yeah, I think you are. And I'm like, no. I, and at the time, I was 61 years old. And I said, no, John, I'm just a 61-year-old retired soccer coach. And again, there was this long hesitation. And so he says... Uh, well, what will you be there? And I said to him, I said, sure, I'll be there. I, and, I can, and I told him, I said, I'll guarantee you two things, John. I won't be late, and I won't embarrass you. And he kind of laughed and said, and if you don't know John, he's got a great sense of humor. He kind of laughed and said, what does that mean? And I'm like, I guess you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> so the next morning, I walked onto the field, and he started laughing. And uh, he was standing out on the field with an old ex-New York Cosmos player named Bobby Smith that I knew. And as I walked out on the field, Bobby Smith looked at me and said, Ricky Wright, is that you? And I kind of laughed. And John looked at him and looked at me and says, do you guys know each other? And that's when I knew that the bond was formed. So, um, yeah, it was uh, – I, I really believe it's uh, a higher power that has put us together. And um, – and I'm so glad that it's happened because it's been a great part of my life. That is, that is a really cool story. And, um, you know, people who don't know, we've known each other th through various things here in Anderson. Um, 
I was at that soccer night. That was, I think, one of the debuts, if not the debut, of the soccer darts um, yes. with the Greenville Triumph. So that that was a lot of fun. And uh, again, well, not again, but congratulations on the 41 years of marriage, man. That's awesome. Um, you just, I think, everybody out there who's listening, who's in those situations, it's, uh, gives everybody, you know, something to look forward to. You don't. No, I don't hear. I know. I know more people my age who have not made it past, you know, five to ten years. So when you get to hear about people who've been married for over forty years, that's always a special thing. So thanks for sharing that. And uh, also, you know, with the uh, situation when you walked out for the triumph, it's it's kind of funny how small the soccer world is, especially here in the United States, and how how quick it you can find out that you know somebody through someone or. You know, you run into um, someone you played with in college or high school, and somehow, you know, they they're familiar with a professional player. I don't know. It's just, uh, especially with the formation of this USL, um, you know, just the people that I've run into or, or getting to know someone like Cole Siler, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just crazy how many people we all know in, in the soccer world. Yeah, you know, Brock, it really is. And, and, you know, the beauty of the thing is the more humble you are, the more you'll get out of it. And that's one of the greatest things about John is he's a very humble guy. Um, let's be very realistic. The guy has played the game at the very highest level, the very highest level. And uh, he is so open. He, he has assembled a tremendous coaching staff. Alex Blackburn is a, an amazing coach. He spends hours upon hours analyzing game film, training films. It, it really is amazing. Ryan Mackey does a tremendous job from the standpoint of making sure that our athletes are ready to compete, you know. And um, it, it's really it's, – it's a very humble, humble game. It really is. And, and um, you know, the beauty of it is is that you never stop learning. You never stop learning. And that is, I mean, if you're, if you're smart, you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Some people think they know it all, but the bottom line is we want to make sure that we always are learning. And that is, that is critical, 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 you know? So, um, but yeah, you know, and, and I hope the people of the upstate realize how special the triumph are because um, we're very open. We want people to come to our games we, we are open-armed as far as we don't want everybody at our training session. But, for example, today we had the, the Furman coaching staff over observing, watching our, our, our training sessions, you know. Um, yesterday we had um, we had a young boy. He's only like a rising junior, I believe, in high school, uh, visiting from uh, Virginia. He's a friend of um, the Hart's family, the parents are. He came down to do a little bit of training with us. We had a young boy from Daniel High School over training with us. We've got a young guy from USC Upstate training with us just to expose them to what we're trying to do, you know. And are they always successful? No. But at the same time, we're exposing them so they know how to develop and to grow, to understand what the pro game is all about, really. And, um, you know, a lot of people think it's easy, and it's not. It's not easy going every day putting on your boots, lacing them up, going out there and performing every single day. Um, your body breaks down, and that's where Ryan Mackey comes in. Um, 
the mind breaks down, and that's where John and all of us coaches come in is how to keep the guys going in the right direction. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great, I have grown so much in this, learning so much from John, from Alex, from Ryan, from everybody, from the players. I mean, let's face it, we learn so much from the players themselves. So, uh, but yeah, I hope that um, that the upstate appreciates basically what we're trying to do and, and, and pull this footballing soccer community in the right direction. Well, I'm really glad you said that, and I appreciate you sharing that as well. It kind of reminds me of something I heard. Um, I like to listen to a few other soccer podcasts, and they were comparing, you know, when you talk about the youth, the youth coming out and playing, they were talking about the situation uh, with, like, Gio uh, and, and Claudio Reyna and how, you know, when his dad was his age, he was looking at playing college and, you know, probably thinking about the national team and then, here's his son, same age, you know, and he's looking at playing in the Champions League and, you know, possibly moving on to bigger clubs. And, and it's just uh, having that exposure, you know, being around it. So having these younger guys come out and participate in trainings, like you say, I mean, that's huge. Um, thinking about myself, you know, playing at, at a young age, that was nothing that I ever even thought about. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if people actually think about those things or, or know that that's going on. You know, I didn't know that you guys were having that many, um, people involved in training. I do know at one time, you know, you had people like, uh, Connor Dow Connor Dowler, who's an Anderson native and, and playing for Furman now, um, who was on the, on the squad there for a bit. Um, how, how is Connor doing? Connor has up and doing other things i think he's working and doing doing other things so we haven't seen him uh in about a probably about a three-week period now um of course you know the COVID thing has always put a big curveball in, into the mix but um actually during the the covid height connor actually probably benefited from that because Furman wasn't playing college soccer and he was able to do online classes and come and train with us Tremendous potential, got a great future in front of him. He, if he keeps his nose to the grindstone, which I think he will, he, he's a very grounded boy. Uh, obviously, his his father is uh, a very good athlete in his own right, but but Connor's doing a good job. I think that going to Furman has been a really good decision with him. Like I said, the Furman boys were over uh, observing our training today. I've known Doug Allison for a long time and Brett Bulware, the uh, one of the assistants and, and, um, uh, and I met Brandon today probably for the first or second time, but, but, uh, they've got a great coaching staff. So I think Connor has got a, a good, um, a, a good pathway to, to follow, to get to that next level, if that's what his desire is. So, um, but yeah, but you know, it, it's interesting because you talk about where you come from, you know, the evolution of the game has been absolutely amazing. Um, I know that I'm an old guy and, and, uh, I was very fortunate. I grew up, I was actually born in, and grew up in Bermuda, but, but I didn't even have any coaches. You know, my, my soccer coach was an Olympic diver. So uh, all he did was encourage me to be dedicated and to play. And um, so you look at what's available to the kids today. I mean, look what CISA has done with their ECNL teams in the boys division. You know, their girls program is phenomenal. I don't think they've had as much success as the boys have, but, but, it, it's we're just in the beginning stages and and you look at the opportunities that the kids today 
have um, to go to that next level, whether it be college, whether it be professional. Um, and we at the Greenville Triumph, we want to really be proponents of how can we help you get to that next level? How can we do that? What can we uh, afford you as opportunities, whether it be observing us play or we're going to bring the very best. We want to bring in some of the CISA ECNL boys into our training sessions. And once they get through their national championship, which is a couple of weeks, you know, um, I really believe that that uh, we can really make this, you know, this area an even better uh, soccer hotbed. I mean, it's already very successful. Let's be very realistic. CISA has done an incredible job. Here's Andrew, and they've got, you know, Vic Pace is now over there, and those guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but those guys have done a phenomenal job. They're, they're, you know, job, they're pioneers of the game. I mean, Pierce had a phenomenal career. Andrew had a good career. Vic had a good career. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, if, you know, if we can figure out how to all put our heads together, work together, I think we can, we can really develop some incredible talent here. I really do believe that. And I know John feels the same way. We, we talk about it all the time. So, uh, but yeah, we, we're going to kick on. We want to, we want to have, uh, open arms. We want to, you know, be a, available to people if, if they need clinics, if they need camps, whatever, we're going to be very open to them, uh, so that we can, we can make, uh, you know, Greenville the, the number one, uh, hotbed for soccer in South Carolina. Awesome, man. That is awesome stuff. And, um, <clears throat> speaking of the U S men's national team and Furman, shout out to Furman. I believe, um, what we got three uh, internationals that have put, come out of there: Ricardo Clark, Clint Dempsey, and uh, Walker Zimmerman. I don't know if I'm forgetting yep. anybody, but I think that's the three. Well, you've also got a guy named John Barry Newsom that came out of Furman, that was a Bermuda national team player. That um, Doug uh, Allison today and I were talking about him because I've known John Barry's dad for a long time. Little known fact: very few times has a three time all-american division one been uh out of a division one program and i believe there's only been like 20 of them in the history of the ncaa's three-time all-americans and and john barry is one of them and Damn. so was his dad wow <laughs> yeah his dad was a three-time all-american in philadelphia textile and then went on to a pro game. I, I don't know where he played. I believe it was Philadelphia Adams, but I'm not sure. But then John Barry, you know, was an, an amazing athlete uh, and, and, a, and a soccer player out of Furman, great guy, Bermuda national team player. He actually works um, at a top-notch, the, probably the best private school in Bermuda, Saltus Grammar School, which is where I went. But, but his athletic director played for me at Anderson College. Again, small um, world. Small world, small world, small world. It really is. So, but yeah, yeah. Furman's put out some really, really good players, and a lot of people, you know, Furman had their soccer camp, or one of their soccer camps, about a week or two ago, and actually Clint, Clint came up and was visiting. I saw a picture of that. Yeah, yeah. He was he was there bumping around with his wife and his children. So yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I heard he was hanging out in North Carolina, where I think his wife's from for the summer. So yeah, well, we can't all be perfect. <laughs> well, moving into the, you know, moving on here. Um, just kind of want to gather some some thoughts from you on on how you feel the season's gone so far. You know, what's what's been working for the team? What's been tough? What some obstacles you all have faced, or you know, some some things uh, that just jump out at you that the team has, you know, overcome or still working with or dealing with, and then um, 
you know, like where do you see some opportunities to improve or to grow? And, you know, what do you expect moving forward um, going well, into the rest know, of the season? It, it, it's always an ongoing project. And, um, yes, we started the season out doing really well. We had a good preseason, had some really good results, you know. Um, we weren't scoring as much as we wanted to, but, but we had a good little chemistry going. And, and once the season started, you know, we came out house on fire. We were undefeated for a while, you know, and everything. And and then all of a sudden, man, uh, the, the injury bug hit. And um, we had players going down injured. Um, we had a big break, uh, a layoff um, that the league gave us. You know, I think it was two and a half weeks, no games. And um, we, we've analyzed it. We don't think we overtrained the boys, but... When we came out of that break, we really had a lot of injuries, and um, and we got a lot of injuries since then. You know, I believe at one time we had six starters out, um, five or six starters out, and um, but you know the boys that came in there really, really did a great job. Things are not going to go perfect all the time. We we um, you know we lost some games that we probably shouldn't have, but we did, and um, we've kind of grown from that. We've, um, you know, that last game that we played out of that five games in 13 days was at Chattanooga, and that's a tough place to play. They're a very high-energy, in-your-face type of team, and we came out of there with a 1-1 draw. And in my, you know, three seasons with the Triumph, I I really got on the bus after the match there, and I was thinking, I I felt like we had won the game. And it was really, really weird because – you know, at the end of the North Carolina game, you know, a week later at home, we, we tied nil-nil. We felt like it was a loss. So it's amazing how the emotions go up and down. But I think we're trending in the right direction. We had have had an amazing week of training this week. We still do have some injuries that we're trying to get through. But, um, but yeah, I think the boys have really, really responded well. Um, I know that... Um, some of the people out there might be saying, well, you know, who's going to be in goal this week? I don't know. We haven't made that decision yet. But Paul Christensen made his first appearance on the on the field this past week for North Carolina. And I, and I firmly believe this. We have the two best goalkeepers in the league, mm-hmm. period. Period. I don't care who you want to throw up at us. Whether we play Dallas or whether we play Paul, I don't think, it, yes, it matters. But, but I think those are the two best goalkeepers in the league league and i'm gonna actually stick my neck out a little further i think we might have the best three (laughs) because because we've got a Furman graduate ben hale that's joined us phenomenal we've got three really top quality goalkeepers and we all know that you want to you know build your team from the back forward and um so yeah we've had a great week of training tormenta who comes into town this week they've just come off of a a loss to Chattanooga, which is, like I said, not an easy place to play. Tormenta is a difficult team for us to play against for whatever reason. They could lose 10 in a row, and then when they play us, they're going to go sky high. But um, but after the last game down there, what we lost, I think the guys have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. At least I hope they do. And um, and I think we can expect a big performance from our guys on, uh, on Saturday. I really do. I really do. So... Yeah, Tor- Tormenta really holds on to that rivalry, that that local rivalry, is if you want to call it that. Um, you know, 
playing coming off a, a loss on Wednesday, uh, and as you said, they traveled to Chattanooga. So you know, I guess that would work in our advantage, um, especially being at home and haven't haven't lost any at home, but we haven't we've dropped a few. I mean, yeah. it was nice to see the shutout. It's always nice to see the clean sheets, defensive. You know, staying strong there. Uh, there was a little lapse for a quick minute, but back on track, keeping a clean sheet. You know, there was just some opportunities there against uh, North Carolina, but I think everybody is expecting a, resu- a good result this weekend. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting. The expectation of the players changes, and and like I said, when we got on the bus after Chattanooga, we, I mean, the, the attitude we were we were really really buzzing even though it was a 1-1 tie, we really felt good about ourselves. But it was the exact opposite on Saturday. When we were in the dressing room after the game on Saturday, tying nil-nil with North Carolina, we really, really were were disappointed in ourselves. And I know that, you know, John and Alex and I and Ryan, we, we've really done some pretty deep soul-searching as to what did we do that what could we have done to make things a little different? You know, and um, without going into too much detail, you know, we've made some adjustments. And like I said, we had a tremendous week of training. The guys have been flying. I mean, just I- incredible training sessions. And, and you know, John, as has always from day one, short and sharp. You know, we don't train for two hours every day. Um, we, we train hour 15 minutes max. Now, is it that's all we do? No. You know, the boys are in there at 8 o'clock in the morning. We we watch video. We make sure they're fed. We make sure that uh, we have camaraderie. Uh, we watch TV together, and we just hang out a little bit, to be quite honest with you, in our lounge. Um, and then we activate, and at 10 o'clock, we're back out on the field, and we go short and sharp for hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes. But I, trust me when I tell you this, when we come off the field, we are knackered. We are absolutely tired. We um, a lot of the boys do ice baths. We've got the very fortunate situation of having uh, massage therapy and some chiropractics and cryotherapy and all those good things that go. That back in my day, you know, you didn't do you barely stretched, let alone do all those other things. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and we make sure the boys are fully engaged. We make sure that they're they're engaged with it. And then we also got to remember that the boys participate in community activities. Because I know that I, I've taken a couple of the boys to this week. We we went over to a, an area in Fountain Inn. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called the Chapman Foundation. And we did a little soccer clinic there. We got a couple of the boys, and, and we went over there and, and do some clinics and stuff. And, you know, so we're fully engaged with the community, and we want to make sure that we, we are giving back. But nothing, no stone is left unturned. I mean, we are constantly evaluating how we can get to that next level, how we can get better. So, um, so yeah, we're pretty juiced about uh, Tormenta coming to town. They actually played in Chattanooga, and they haven't gone back to Georgia. They've stayed in, in the area. They're, they're here. They'll be, they'll be training um, tomorrow, and, and then we'll play them on Saturday. So hopefully we'll send them you know, back to South Georgia with uh, two losses and their tails between their legs. For sure. So, uh, that's what the plan is. We'll see what happens. Do you guys ever do anything like that when you go on road trips? Do you always come back to Greenville, or have there been situations where you do something similar to what they're doing? We actually, we actually have done that before. Um, last year, during COVID, during COVID, you know, we went up and played New England in Boston, 
and our next game was against Richmond. So rather than coming all the way back home, we, we just puddle hopped back down to Richmond, stayed there, trained, and then played and then came home. Um, and, you know, last year we came up with a really good plan because, for example, some of the teams, you know, would travel and play and then all of a sudden their whole coaching staff would be infected with COVID. Whereas um, we, we came up with a plan. So I didn't travel uh, last year at all, none, none of the games just in case. But the beauty of it is we've been so, um, I mean, diligent in our uh, in our efforts to not be get infected. Knock wood, we were pretty much, you know, uh, the lowest team in the league with the infection rate. So we've done a real good job in keeping our bubble intact, making sure that um, we, we um, really keep ourselves protected. John has been a stickler about it. Um, our trainer, Nadia Najim, is uh, all I can tell you is she is very, very professional. She does a phenomenal job in, in all aspects of our of our training regime. Um, but during COVID, she was, I mean, a beast. I mean, you're going to wear a mask. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And everybody did it. And, and I think we, you know, we were very fortunate. We had the lowest infection rate. So, um, but yeah, um, it, uh, we have done it before. It's not easy to do. Traveling on the road is not fun. People think it's glamorous and it's not, it's not, um, whether you're flying or taking a bus, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, speak, speaking of physical health, when I went to college, you know, this was back in 2003, but I was kind of surprised that they introduced the soccer team to a sports psychologist. Um, do you guys have any access of that for your players? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Phenomenal situation. Guy is so good. I mean, all I can tell you, man, the guy, he, he comes in, he's wearing flip-flop shorts, and he's just down on, on the guy's level. He's open. Everything is handled with the utmost privacy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Listen, listen, the fact of the matter is this. Joe Irwin, the Greenville Triumph, they have made sure that we have no excuses. We've got every opportunity available to us. Now, is it an open checkbook? No. Because we are very responsible and we are very cognizant of the fact that this is costing money. But we have got a great community here that is – they want us to be successful. They want us to be successful. So we've got chiropractic, you know, we've got, uh, Jolson, we've got, uh, this guy, Ricardo, that comes in and does massage therapists. You know, we've got this young lady that comes in and does stretching. She, you know, she says, okay, do you, you know, get up on the table, Rick, and I'll stretch you. There is no way I'm getting up on that table. <laughs> there is no way. I mean, she's probably never come into contact with somebody so inflexible as me. So my point in this whole thing is that the club wants us to be successful and they're giving us every opportunity. We've got great opportunities for our guys health-wise. We make sure that we eat good, healthy food for our guys. You know, we've got four, five, six, eight, whatever it is, restaurants that are that are supplying us with food for our, our midday meals and our breakfasts. The, the guys do well. And, and, you know, don't mistake that for being complacent and and because they appreciate that when, when a restaurant like tropical grill, for example, is one of the ones 
if, if they reach out and say, hey, we need you to do an event, bang, we're there. We had an event this past week. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's a place in, in Simpsonville. It's called Service Beer Garden. Mm-hmm. It's a German um, restaurant. And the young lady there, Daria, she's she wanted to have an event because there was the Euros that, you know, that day on Sunday. And the whole team went phenomenal event i mean he, she fed the late you know the guys she we had um, a couple of cold beverages you know we're very cognizant of the fact that we are in training but we had a couple of cold beverages and the environment was absolutely incredible and and we that's the thing that we're trying to create here you know we've had a couple of watch parties we had one in society um the the night unfortunately that we lost to north texas but but it was a great environment you know um we're trying to create a really really good soccer environment in the upstate and you know we, we need people to participate i mean but we'll be there with them you know um i know brock you know john and, and john's very open to, to to the community and and is very good with interacting with the community and, and and we want to make sure that that the people realize that the greenville triumph really are and truly are for the upstate it's it's a situation where we want to be as involved as we possibly can within reason so understood do you feel or do you think the players feel i mean let's just be honest here we're talking back-to-back finalists 2020 uh, champions so you know that's kind of the standard for the club at this point because there's nothing else to set the bar to It's, it's two seasons in and you know from the inaugural season of the league so you know not the not too many teams in the league can actually nobody else can say that in the league so the expectations probably of other supporters groups is, you know, hey, make the playoffs, be nice to host a game, be fantastic if we won. Whereas, you know, the Reedy River Riot, for example, you know, we, we expect we expect that now. So, do you know, do you feel like that's something that everybody kind of carries with them because there's really no other way to go around it? Well, I have, I have never been involved with a, with a club. I've never been involved with a, a, a college, high school, my national team that said, okay, we want to be number two. <laughs> so so let me go ahead and get that straight right now. And I don't think you will ever come across two people. You know what I'm saying? Two, not one. You're not going to come across two people that are more competitive than John Harks and myself. So... When John was was interviewing me or wanting me, I, I told him this. We were sitting at um, there was a restaurant in, in on Main Street Greenville called Crepe du Jour, and I said to him, I said, John, you do know that I've never been involved with any type of team that's lost. As a coach, I never had a losing season. As a player, I never had a losing season. And he kind of looked at me and laughed and said, "Well, I don't want it to be something that I want to start either." So, yeah, we, we want to be number one, and we're going to do everything we, we can to get to number one. Right now, we're in a place where we are really evaluating, are we becoming a little bit complacent? Are the players becoming complacent? And after this week of training, I'm going to say no, because they've really risen to the occasion. And, and we've had, like I said, a tremendous week of training. We want to be the standard for the league period there's no ifs 
There's no ands, there's no buts, there's no maybes. We want to be number one. John Hartz wants to be number one, period. And, and that's why, you know, when, when we start talking about, you talk about your supporters group, one of our little pet peeves, and, and, and I'm just throwing this out there as a suggestion. When our boys go out there to warm up before a game, there's literally very few people in the stadium. We would like for the riot and for the fans to be there to watch our guys warm up so that we can really get our blood flowing, our juices flowing to get into the rhythm of, of a game, you know? Mm. Um, and it's gotten better. Let me just say that. It's gotten better. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we want to kick on. We don't want to be complacent. We want to be the number one team. We want to be the and – and I think we're already there. When people come to play the Greenville Trial, they want to kick our rear ends. Mm -hmm. it's, it's as simple as that. They can be on a big losing streak. They want to come kick our rear ends. When you talk about we've been runner-up and then the champion, we have a play on our team, and you know who I'm talking about. He was on the championship team the first year, and he was on our team last year. And when I talked to Caesar, I talked to him very candidly. He's one of the most motivated, driven guys we have. He wants to win a third championship. So when you have a guy that's already won two and he's ready to win a third, I mean, how can you not jump on board and, and push forward? You know, so, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a good place. We really are. We want to be better, but, you know, we're not, we're not top of the league right now, but we're going to get back there. We will. We will get back there. Certainly. And for the supporters out there that are listening, you know, let's, let's step it up. Let's, uh, you know, let's get up there with the club. You know, let's, as it, it all goes, it all goes together, right? We've got the best product on the pitch. We've got the best fans in the stands. We've got the best ownership and front office in the league. And when it's all pumping, there's no stopping that. So let's get out there and yeah. make it happen. I, I think, you know, when you say those things, I agree with you 100%. But, but also know that we as a staff are never, ever satisfied. I, and, and that's just the way we are as competitors. We are never satisfied. We want to be better. We like winning, but we also want to play a, an attractive, exciting brand of soccer. You know, when when we were when when we let Jake Keegan leave last year, you know, we're like, "Ooh, how are we going to replace Jake?" Well, guess what? We replaced him. Mario's uh, Lomas is a really, really top class guy i tell you the, the guy he he is so um he's so i'm not gonna say methodical that's not the right word but he's always striving to be better mm -hmm. today for example in training you know and, and and i'm a big guy i'm a big person from the standpoint of setting setting goals you know long term short term and very short term. And today I said to him, I said, how many goals are you going to score today? And this was in, a, in an exercise that we had. And he said to me, he said, I'm going to score three. And, and I went to like three or four of the guys and I said, how many goals are you going to score? And at the end of the training session, he was the only one that came to me and said, Rick, I only scored one. I should have scored five. But I only scored one. I need to be better. That's the type of player I want to coach. That's the type of guy that I want to be able to help 
get to that next top level, you know, and, and make himself better. So, yeah, I mean, we do have the best product and, and we, we want to have the best supporters, you know, and, and, um, Hey, it's not easy. You know, it, it, there's some sacrifices involved. We've, you know, we got people that have young kids, you know, I mean, I, I get that children and your family are, are, should be the number one priority. That's why I've been able to stay married for 40 odd years. But, um, you know, at the same time, I mean, if you really get the enjoyment, I have such a burning passion for this game, you know. Um, um, like I told you, you know, I grew up in Bermuda, and um, it, it was a very interesting thing because my parents never supported me, but I made it a point that I wanted to be a footballer. I, I mean, I wanted to be a footballer. And, you know, I also sailed. I was a, a very high-level sailor and uh, competed in the Olympics in 1976 for Bermuda. But um, I know that's how old I am. But, um, but you know, soccer was always such a burning passion for me. And I was very fortunate that at a very young age, I was able to meet my, um, my like, idol, was a guy named Bobby Charlton, you know, Sir Bobby Charlton now. And I was able to meet him, you know, and, and spend a little bit of time with him. And I was like, wow, this is incredible, you know. And um, so... I, I look at that. I look at the opportunities that I've had, and I want to give that back. That's why I try to do as many clinics as I can. I try to share my moments with people, and 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 I think that you know we've got this community here that's got a burning passion for for soccer. Um, well, let's produce a product that's that's worthy of them, you know, um, and, and and let's make sure that we can uh, can provide a good product. And uh, let's face it, the the the, the cost of going to a triumph match doesn't break the bank um i know that in the clinics that i've done in the last two weeks i've got so many moms and dads saying hey we've been to your games you know we've been able to buy these really nice inexpensive tickets and and go and have a great time you know um and yeah so it, it's a great clean way of enjoying time with your family and uh let's fill the stadium for the rest of the year certainly so you kind of touched on it already when you were speaking about, you know, supporters and fans being in the in the stadium during warmups. But uh, and maybe that's that's what you want to roll with. But is there maybe something else that supporters probably don't know about the club, but you think it's something that would would be important to know? You know, that, that's a very interesting question, because no matter how hard we try, we think we're being very open and honest with everybody. But but are we? I, I don't know. What are we missing? I mean, um, we want to work, you know, we're going to host some soccer clinics uh, nonstop. We've got, you know, the Triumph has over 80, I think it's like right at 90 um, partners in the community, you know, sponsors and things like that. And we're constantly trying to do um, clinics for them. Like we did one the other day, Greenville Federal Credit Union, I believe it was over at St. Mary's Catholic Church. And um, that's part of my uh, responsibilities. And Megan Kolak said, Rick, we're going to have about 20 kids, you know. And so I put together a nice little coaching staff. And the day before, she said, oh, Rick, we're going to have 50 kids. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I had to, you know, get some more coaches. And, you know, the day of the event, lo and behold, we got 60 kids there. Now, we don't know because they're all – various ages but you know we had some CISA uh girls there that were a really good group of players we had some girls and guys there that had never played before but how do we know if we're not going to light that fire under somebody's you know um 
desire and, and make them want to be a soccer player. I don't know that. But all I know is that we're reaching into the community as much as we can. I mentioned to you about the Chapman Foundation. You know, that's a good organization. We're going to be doing these clinics and camps all through the summer. And, um, you know, uh, we can't do them all for free, but we're doing a lot of them where the sponsors are coming in and paying for them. And so if there's a, a trying clinic that's available to you, you know, send your kid, you know, and, and um, maybe that'll ignite the next, uh, the next, you know, try and player. I don't know. You know, um, we haven't touched on this, but, you know, I know that the club announced that we're going to have a girls team. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is amazing. You know, we're, we're going to, I, I mean, I'm speaking for the club now, but we, we intend to have a woman coach the team. And um, knowing Joe Irwin and his family, you know, we're going to put the same uh, emphasis and, and resources to making sure that, that we have a successful program there. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, what can we do better? I don't know. You know, let us know. And, you know, we'll, we'll evaluate it and, and we'll see what we can do. I know that we're always very cognizant of the fact that these camps and clinics are taxing so we we don't want to overburden burden the players with um with a situation where they're doing so many appearances after practice that it wears them out john and i talk about it all the time you know um so we are actually um, we're going to host the greenville ymca for example and i don't i don't know which branch it is but they're bringing like 56 kids to our training session on tuesday next week where they're going to get on the triumph bus bust them over to the facility at Bob Jones and let them watch training. When the training session's over, the players sign some autographs. And so we're trying as much as we can to open ourselves up and, and, and involve the community, you know? So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's a very exciting time. I, you know, I retired from the paper business to do this full time and I'm excited about it. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's been a passion of mine for a long time, but Thank goodness that the Irwins and, and, and uh, Chris Lewis and all the people at the Triumph realize that I do have uh, something to offer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, if you've got an idea, if anybody's got an idea to how we can contribute more, we'll evaluate it. We can't say we're going to do it, but, but we will evaluate it. We want to be here for the community. Certainly. So um, you said, did you say your favorite soccer player was uh, Mr. Bobby Charlton? Sir Bobby Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very fortunate. Like I said, I grew up in Bermuda. And back in those days, a lot of the English soccer teams would come to Bermuda on holiday, you know. And and this one particular year, it was 1974. And the reason I remember it so well was because that was the year that England did not qualify for the World Cup. So Sir Bobby was on holiday. And a lot of people don't know this, but... Um, he was very, very close friends to another young man. Uh, I say a young man. He was a, a soccer player named by the name of Nobby Styles. Mm-hmm. Most people have never heard of him, but he was also a Manchester United player. Played on the 1968 European Cup team, um, champion team that won the European Cup. And um, so they were in Bermuda, and I just happened to be in a in a store where my dad uh, owned and and. Um, my dad had it set up and I saw I was in there and he says, what do you think about that guy down there? And I looked down there and it was him. And, uh, I kind of laughed about it because obviously I was very young and I said, um, looks like Bobby Charlton. He says, yeah, it is. 
So I went down there and introduced myself to him, and um, lo and behold, he actually came to my home and ate dinner with us. Uh, so Bobby and Nobby and their wives, and, and um, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was uh, one of the most amazing things. But but you know, it, it's interesting because you look at today's kids. They looked at they look at TV, and they've got like you were talking about. You can look at the U.S. Martinique game tonight, and there's a bazillion games on. Growing up in Bermuda, we had the opportunity to watch football, soccer on TV once a week. And it was on Sunday night, and it was in black and white, and it was called Salad Master Big Time Soccer. Why it was called Salad Master was because it was sponsored by this machine that would make a salad for you. <laughs> but the beauty of it was it was black and white. And... It took me a long time to realize because they only showed like four teams. One of the teams was Wolverhampton Wanderers, which is our mutual friend Shane Dowler's favorite team. I didn't know for like 10 years that they their colors were, were orange. I thought they were gray because it was black and white. But we would watch Salad Master soccer every Sunday night. But the crazy thing, Brock, was we already knew the result. Because it was the game from a week before. Right. But that's our only, uh, you know, exposure to, to soccer. Of course, we didn't have internet, you know. We didn't. So, you know, to be a soccer fanatic back then, you really had to really want to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and like I said, I, I grew up in an environment that was really special. Um, my parents didn't ask me to play soccer. They didn't necessarily want me to play soccer. But it was a passion that I had, and, and I was very fortunate that I had the drive to do it. You know, a lot of people would kill for this, but my very first exposure at, on the national team level when I played U-17s was a guy named Detmar Kramer. He was my very first coach at the national team level, and he was Franz Beckenbauer's coach. Wow. And I remember him taking me aside in his broken English saying, you've got potential. And that's all I needed. That's all I needed. And I dedicated my, my approach to, you know, not only to just soccer, but to everything. I mean, I want to be the best in everything soccer. I wanted to be the best sailor. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father, you know, so, uh, best coach. So yeah, best friend. I mean, you know, so it's one of those things that, that I think is, is, is really, really, I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate in my life, and I want to give as much back as I can. Uh, I've been in the upstate for a long time, and, um, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of great soccer players come out of this area, and I want to continue to help perpetuate that. That's some amazing stuff. So just kind of uh, moving in towards the end here, um, you know, all the history that you've been involved with, is there is there like a favorite soccer moment you know, it doesn't have to be the number one. I'm, you probably have a few, but just that maybe that one that one soccer moment that really just sticks out to you that was just a very special time. The the most special time, other than meeting John Harks and being on his staff, <laughs> is um, a lot of people that might remember this, but you know, Umbro used to be located in in South Carolina in Greenville. Their their national headquarters was in Greenville, and. Um, Every summer, uh, Umbro would get together a staff, and I was the coach at Erskine, and all of my players were models for their Umbro catalogs. Guys like, there's a Greenville 
kid, for example, he was actually from Due West. He's still in the upstate of South Carolina. His name is Leon Ellis. Um, he was always in the catalog. Billy Lassane, who's now the women's coach at University of Georgia, was in the catalog. But but Umbro was very good to me. They they supplied my teams with, with their uniforms and their equipment. And I got a call one day from a from a guy named Jim Poff um, and another guy named John Stevenson. John was a, a Scottishman, I believe he was from Scotland. But he said we're going to do a clinic, and um, we need you to be one of the clinicians. And I said sure, yeah, no problem. And he told me when and where, and I went over there. And we had about a hundred kids, and they were all in the bleachers, you know, getting ready. And all of a sudden, this big stretch limousine drove up. And everybody's looking at this limousine, and I'm looking at it like, what's going on here? And um, Pele got out of the limousine. Jeez. And I'm sitting there on the bench, putting my um, shoes on, and all of a sudden, Pele gets out of the limousine. And I am, very few times in my life have I been speechless, but I was speechless. And he came over and sat down next to me. And I'll never forget this, because... It was his 50th birthday. I believe it was his 50th birthday. He was decked out in a Umbro training suit, white from head to toe. And he sat down next to me and he started putting on his shoes. And he looked at me and in his broken English, he said, today is a great day. Because today we, we are going to learn something about the greatest game ever. He didn't say you to me. He said, we, and I, and I'll never forget that. It made a very lasting impression on me that, you know, here's the greatest player of all time. And I know that's my opinion, but I think he was the greatest player of all time. Basically sitting next to me, strapping on his shoes, saying that he's going to learn something from me, from these kids. And that was a very humble humbling moment for me and um one that i'll never forget that's what the game is bigger than we are it'll, it'll always be bigger than we are and i'll never stop learning um i try to learn something every day every day i try to learn and not only do i learn it but i try to implement it in my life um, that's unreal uh, yeah. unreal the lord, the lord the lord has been very good to me i'm blessed and and i will continue to try to spread my knowledge and my um I guess you'd say uh, uh, knowledge and history or whatever, but it's not about me. It's about us growing the greatest game ever. That story gives me chills. I'm not going to lie. That is amazing story. Well, coach, um, gosh, lots of great things in here. Really appreciate, you know, all your insights, you know, sharing, sharing your story, sharing your thoughts, um, your love of the game, just, just all of it. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. I think anybody who listens to this podcast is is, is greatly going to appreciate it. Um, just special stuff. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to just add before we get out of here? Um, just anything you'd like to say? Just keep supporting the Triumph. We, we want to bring another championship home, and this time we want to win it on the field. And, uh, hey, if you're behind us, we'll be in front of you and, and leading the charge. Awesome. There you have have it, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, if you ever have any questions or things you'd like us to address or people you'd like for us to get on the show, just drop us a message. Let us know, and uh, we appreciate you. Thanks again, Coach. Um, good luck this weekend, and uh, take care. Thanks.
So I appreciate it, Brock. You take care. Say hello to the family. All right. Thanks.